0: Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi, and welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. This is one of two very special International Women's Day 2020 podcasts. Today, I'm delighted to talk with a panel of brilliant Humphrey Group people. I'm not just saying that because they're all in my company, but because they really are brilliant and passionate about the work of advancing equity and promoting inclusive workplaces and an inclusive world and they'll all introduce themselves in the moment we'll also be releasing very shortly a live podcast i'm going to be doing with senior leaders at cn rail talking about topics of how to promote equity and create a more inclusive and just world so i hope you'll tune in for this double dose of international women's day 2020 podcast and now a conversation with members of the humphrey group We're recording this on March 3rd, 2020, and coming up this Sunday is International Women's Day, and this year's theme is Each for Equal, and it really relates to the idea that we need to push for a world where we have more equity and that we aren't there yet, and doing so, we will make not only businesses and organizations more effective, but the world is a better place. This year's theme also is drawn from the notion of something called collective individualism, which is the idea that all of our actions, behaviors, and mindsets can have an impact on society. Collectively, we can make change happen. And collectively, all of us help to create a gender equal world. And I'll, I'll say, for those of you who have listened to this podcast for the last several years, you'll know that this is a, a theme that I'm I'm very passionate about. This company was started by my mother, a woman who dealt with not just unconscious bias, but conscious bias, as I've, I've said in the past, and who had to really forge ahead in a, in a difficult time, and who hoped, in the, as I have for the last 20 years, that we would see improvements in representation of women. And the fact is, over the last 20 years, we really haven't seen much here in Canada or in the world. You know, in just a few statistics here in Canada, women are deeply underrepresented in leadership roles, they hold only 25% of VP positions and 15% of CEOs. When women do hold leadership roles, they're paid less than men in the same roles. Even the highest paid top 10% of women still earn 37% less than their male counterparts. If you factor competition by hourly, women underearn uh, almost 15% less per hour than men. And it gets even worse if we look at women of color indigenous women, newcomer women, and women with disabilities. So we are not where we need to be by far, and there's work to be done. And that's part of what we in the Humphrey Group are, are deeply passionate about, supporting women through our Taking the Stage program, which has evolved over the years, to speak up, be heard, and be recognized. So that's my intro. Uh, that's probably the most you're going to hear from me today. But what I want to do is bring together a group of people from our company who are deeply passionate about this work as well. Without further ado, I'm gonna ask our panelists, it's a virtual panel, to introduce themselves. And, and I'll start with Shalima Cambridge who joins us from Vancouver.
1: So I'm Shalima Cambridge. I'm an associate at the Humphrey Group. This is very much informed by my work as an organizational coach. And where that's comes together is in really helping to create curriculum for organizations, not only to train their employees, but to really create a culture of communication, of inclusion, and of inspirational work with each other within that organization. So I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Bart, and including me in this conversation.
0: Thank you for joining us. And Kanshin Prinsloo joins us from Toronto.
2: Very excited to be here, Bart. I work as a consultant with the Humphrey Group, and as well, I work as an executive coach in the space of diversity in leadership and very excited to be part of the panel, thanks.
0: Thank you for joining. And Cynthia Ward joins us from Niagara-on-the-Lake.
3: Thank you, Bart, great to be here. I've been with the Humphrey Group for over 15 years and I've had a variety of roles ranging from developing partnerships to being a member of the leadership team. Over the past year, my focus has been on mentoring Humphrey Group employees and before joining the for Group, I was the Vice President at Nortel Networks.
0: Thanks for joining us, Cynthia. I'm, I'm very interested in your perspective on what has and what hasn't changed.
3: Yes, indeed.
0: And lastly, we have John Wright joining us from Toronto. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me, Bart. I'm a senior
4: associate working with the Humphrey Group in our Toronto office. And uh, in my role, I help our team grow the business in Central and Eastern Canada and in the Eastern United States. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about uh, this year's theme, Each for Equal, in parallel with collective individualism. I believe that both are, are really important for driving responsibility and accountability and in, in seeing change.
0: Absolutely. And John, I'll never forget two years ago when we were heading into International Women's Day, we had a meeting and you stood and pounded the table and said, we've got to be doing more as a company. We've got to be in the conversation. So... Thanks for getting us on that path
4: to oh, uh, to much. be
0: more vocal. So let's dive in. I shared some statistics as to how significant the gender gap is here in Canada. And we see it in day-to-day work that we do with our clients. So all of you in some ways have had a connection to the work we've done to address some of that imbalance. Mick, I'll start with you. Tell me about... Uh, how you view our work in the Humphrey Group in making an impact, hopefully, in addressing gender inequity. Cynthia, I talked about where we are today or where we're not. Where were we, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago when you were an executive at Nortel Networks and what's changed and what hasn't?
3: Well, that, um, that's a very interesting question because some things have changed. But as you mentioned earlier, Bart, this, the progress has been really slow. I would say that even though not a lot has changed, the subtle changes that have been made have made a difference. And I'll go on to explain. There are more women, more role models in leadership positions today than certainly when I was coming up through the ranks. And uh, the side effect of of their presence is a different atmosphere in the workplace. It's more psychologically safe. It's more woman-friendly. So the fact that there are more role models, I think, has, has made it at least more comfortable for women to be authentic. Another thing that has changed is around hiring and recruiting practices. You know, HR professionals now in many large organizations today use standardized interview questions that are designed to be gender, gender bias-free. Back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for leaders, who were men, to bypass HR entirely so they could hand pick their own recruits which were typically men in their own image. And lastly, I would say that professional development opportunities for women have improved somewhat. And, you know, taking the stage is certainly an example of a program that is so impactful for women today who want to have their voices heard.
0: Those are some positive changes. Uh, It's good to hear the signs of progress that, that you've observed. What have you seen that has not changed?
3: What I would say hasn't changed is that Gender equity and the advancement of women is still seen as a woman's issue. In other words, let's fix the women. I know one thing, Bart, that hasn't changed is that women get stuck at entry-level management positions and very difficult sometimes to move from that supervisory level up to the next step.
0: Yeah, that certainly remained a bottleneck. And I had Jennifer Reynolds, who used to be the head of Women in Capital Markets, on talking about that saying, Mm -hmm. when will we see a female bank CEO? When will it happen?
3: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: Shalima, let me turn to you. You you deliver our Taking the Stage program. What do women tell you in this program about the barriers they see on a day-to-day basis to advancing and ultimately addressing some of this inequity?
1: So I can start with My own experience. I worked within the financial sector. And so when you talk about Jennifer Reynolds and what she brought to your former podcast, it is spot on when we don't get to see ourselves in those leadership roles it's hard to put yourself there as well. And so part of the barriers are, one, simply seeing people in the roles that you aspire to be in, and two, being able to get out of that barrier of not seeing those people in the roles that you want to see, but believing that you can be there. So it's twofold. It's both having the institutions recognize that more has to be done to put diverse groups in those positions, as well as programs like Taking the Stage that allow these diverse groups to actually put themselves there to begin with. And that's specifically what brought me to the Humphrey Group, the Taking the Stage program. Well,
0: it's great to hear. It's, a, it's our secret recruiting tool, so yes. <laughs> I'm, glad it, I'm glad it worked. One of the things that is finally and importantly part of the conversation is the fact that intersectionality, which is that people have multiple uh, overlapping identity factors, you know, gender, race, age, class, And these kind of meet and that create different experiences when it comes to seeking equity. And I know you may face multiple barriers to advancement or equity depending on your background and Kanchan, I'd like to ask you, as a woman of color, do you think there are unique additional barriers?
2: So as a woman of color, I am mindful of the, you know, the overlapping identity factors such as gender and race. What I would say is that the disparity compounds the effects of, of each one of these dimensions. And where that shows up is something as simple as the, the gender wage gap, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, isn't the same for just women alone that there is different price points for each.
0: Yeah, it's remarkable and I'll, I'll I'll share the statistics in Canada here. If we look at the wage gap for women, it's they earn 13% less, so 87 cents on the dollar. For women of color, it's 67 cents on the dollar. So a remarkable gap as you said compounds. So taking the stage, you know, our program for women has evolved to reflect this concept of intersectionality and the fact that developing women is not just about developing white women. Shalima, when it comes to bringing in those different experiences that Kansha mentioned, how do you do that in taking the stage? Because I know it's something that has become an imperative for us.
1: The biggest thing is recognizing that simply because we have a room full of women doesn't mean that every single woman's experience is going to be exactly the same. For myself, I come from an immigrant family. My my parents are from the Caribbean, and that informs how I walk through the world, walk through Canada on a daily basis, and how I interact with others, and how they're maybe expecting my, me to interact with them. And this is very different for all the women that we have within taking the stage. And it's important that we learn from those different experiences, give audience to those different experiences, and, Allow that to sit with us, know that we have to learn from that, and know that while listening to it, we can be allies. It's not just about one experience. It's about how can we provide space to acknowledge and lift up the other experiences.
0: The complexity of this conversation is relatively new, you know, when we think about it, but important. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the program that we've launched, Inclusive Leadership, it's hard. It's really hard. I'm going through it. <laughs> it's very hard because you have to recognize the uniqueness of each person and the overlapping experiences that they bring. And it takes work to be inclusive, but I think it's really important. And, and in today's day and age, it's an imperative. So let, let's shift gears. We've talked about the barriers, why we're not there, some of these experiences that that women face. Let's talk about a bit of the solution. What can women themselves, let's start there, do the be heard, seek equity and advance? And I know we tackle this in taking the stage. So Shalima.
1: The biggest thing for me is imposter syndrome. And if anyone is not aware of what that is, it's basically believing that you don't deserve to be there. Hmm. And it's an irrational thought because I'm betting you the evidence of your education, of your experience, of the way that you have interacted with others, proves that you deserve to be in the role that you're in, as well as proves that you deserve to move up into the roles that you do want to be in. And quite often, this syndrome, this syndrome, takes away from your ability to enjoy what you're doing, enjoy where you are, and recognize your accomplishments. And so, when we talk about this and taking the stage, we make sure that everyone knows this is a common experience and that the things we say to ourselves, we wouldn't say to anybody else.
0: Can what what would be another common thing that you would see in taking the stage that you would work with women on to support their leadership?
2: One of the most powerful things that I've seen is just being able to have a taking the stage, that there are just mm-hmm. women around the room. Uh, I remember facilitating a program in, in London and they were managing directors around the room. And before I even got started, it was a group of 20 women and they just paused and three or four of them started talking about, we've never in a room with just women. And they took a lot of time just speaking about how powerful that was before we even started. So I didn't even say anything And I felt that there was such a powerful impact already in place and and having that ability to create space for women to be able to speak.
0: So Cynthia, Shalima and Kanchan have shared two of the things that they work on with participants in Taking the Stage. You have been, though not necessarily teaching Taking the Stage, essentially mentoring women in our company and very tuned to some of the unique challenges that women face in their quest for leadership. Mm-hmm. What do you observe and what do you work with women on uh, in and outside the Humphrey group?
3: Yeah, I would say that the first thing I work on is is having women believe in themselves. Just as Shalima talked about, knowing who they are and at the same time, not trying to reinvent themselves, but to bring their strengths to the forefront and also learn strategies that men use to advance their careers. So what I'm saying is bringing their whole self to the job, having the confidence, but then speaking up at meetings, asking for promotions, developing that confidence, that mindset of a leader like we teach on our, our core programs. The other thing that I really encourage women to do is to get out there, to, to network, to develop relationships with business partners, key clients, to develop deep relationships and, and you know, cultivate those relationships so that they can learn from others and so that they can um, grow and understand what, what senior leaders, uh, what challenges they face so that they can start to think about those things as they advance their careers.
0: John, I'm going to turn to you because I know this is a, a topic you're really passionate about. Can you talk a bit about this idea that inclusion is something that everyone has a role to play in making a reality?
4: Yeah, of course. I love to step in here and, and talk about the responsibility that men have in in seeing change and, and helping equity-seeking groups get to a different level or a different state. Because we've talked at great length about uh, how much or literal progress has been made over the last few decades. So I think that one of the things I've experienced is that by definition, if you want to consider yourself an ally, you really have to be doing something to advance equity, you know, and for all men that's really starts with learning more and speaking up more, you know, and the, and the work in this space. It can be very uncomfortable. It can be uh, you can be put in a position where you're, you're speaking to things and you're learning things uh, that really force you to take a long hard look in the mirror. But this is a place where this is where the greatest change and the greatest results are going to come from when, when men lean in and and they take accountability for change. You know, just recently I worked with a client, uh, they, they brought taking the stage in house and they had a group of women and they asked a question that's quite common. Is it okay if we bring a man into taking the stage now, which really speaks to the fact that, uh, both parties are accountable for seeing change. And it's common for us to hear that question because we're we're seeing on a broader scale, uh, men have that responsibility.
0: So, John, what did you say to the the client who said, "Can we have a man taking the stage?"
4: Well, at first glance, it's a very simple question to answer. You know, the, this is a program meant for women, led by women. Uh, so, at, at on the service level, a very straightforward no that this is not the program to bring a man in, but upon further investigation, I was learning that this was actually what they meant to ask was uh, they have a non-binary or trans woman who's interested in taking the program. And this is where organizations can really fall short, simply because of their, their perspective. As an ally, it's my responsibility to uh, speak up in situations like this and learn more. Um, you know in this example in particular i had to go out of my way to uh, get educated from some of the colleagues that we've got on our team and then i also had to go out of my way to educate the client which can be a very uncomfortable situation but they need to recognize that uh, it's our opinion that any person who identifies as a woman belongs in taking the stage
0: so john thanks thanks for sharing that story and and what it means to be an ally. And let me just throw it open to the panel here. Any other thoughts mm-hmm. on what allyship means today and what constitutes effective allyship?
3: Yeah, I would say that to be an ally, we, we need to, to listen um, to the challenges and opportunities women have and and determine how we can help because often, especially from, a, from John's perspective, for example, he can't appreciate the challenges that, that women have navigating day in and day out. So I, I think listening and really appreciating what some of the challenges are is important. And then I think, you know, speaking up and being an advocate for women, calling out inappropriate behavior, and, and being there both publicly and privately to support them.
4: And John, you want to add to that? As a as a man, if you come from a position of privilege, you, you need to choose to be empathetic and not defensive when you're talking about issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you also re- need to recognize that if you're coming from a position of privilege, you, know, you n- need to use whatever privilege you have to empower others and lift others up.
2: And I would add to that in that um, to be a, a strong ally means that you, first of all, lead with curiosity be curious about what's what's happening and second of all what's what's really important is assume best intention first assume that the other person is is being intentional positive in their intention first so we can uh, to Cynthia's point listen be able to hear it
0: the last topic i want to touch on we've talked about individuals we've talked about what how we work with women to help them advance how we encourage leaders and others to be allies. Let's talk briefly about the role of organizations. I know this isn't our, necessarily our bailiwick at the Humphrey Group. We're in the leadership communication business and we focus on individuals, but I think it's worth briefly touching on. What do leading organizations, and we're privileged to work with some really first-rate organizations in terms of their commitment to diversity inclusion, what should organizations be doing to support the efforts of equity-seeking groups and those who are working to empower them?
4: I think that a really important approach to take is recognizing the fact that it's not necessarily that people don't want to, they just don't know how to, you know, and giving them the skills that they need to comfortably navigate their way and sometimes uncomfortably navigate their way through the the difficult conversations that is diversity, equity and inclusion is a really important first step. Cynthia, would you add Yeah, to I that? would agree,
3: John. I, w- I would agree, John, that, um, you know, I, again, I'm going back to when I was climbing up the ladder. It was very interesting because I thought that sponsorship was, was key for me and I was very intentional about finding leaders who would sponsor me. But they were far and few between because they, they didn't know how to properly sponsor me. And they didn't want to be seen as as weak or incompetent in doing so. So I, I think the whole you know education of people and, and leaders as to how they can empower and how they can make their workplace inclusive is so key. So for me,
1: communication is at the heart of everything that we do. And change will not happen unless we communicate with each other. And so, organizations are really beholden to create the space for people to communicate around what they may be scared of, around what they may be unsure of, what they're not educated on, or what their diverse experiences are. And when we create that space to share our stories and share experiences, that's what inclusion is. It's okay to have those different experiences and bring that to the table in the way that you lead, in the way that you interact with each other. And you can learn from being inclusive. So for me, that's, that's really what's at the heart of it, communicating in order to create that inclusive space for our diverse experiences.
0: Okay, so let's, we've covered a lot of ground today and appreciate all the perspectives on this, uh, on this great panel. As we look forward 10, 20 years out, as we all hope for a world that is more equal. How hopeful are you uh, that we'll get there? Shalima, let me start with you.
1: I think realistically, there are ways of doing business that have worked for many organizations and will continue working for them because of the way that our world is structured. However, I do also believe that there are better ways of doing business. And so we really have a decision to make. Do you want to continue down a path that may work and may bring in dollars uh, but is exclusive and cannot bring in the best talent, bring in access to everyone and include all of the people that you that really should be at the table? Or do you want to actively take a role in inclusion and leading that path? And for me, while I can say there's many business cases for going down the path of inclusion and creating a space that is equitable for all, the fact is that it's simply the right thing to do. (laughs) And I would hope that we do get to a point where we see it as simply the right thing to do and cannot understand why we would work in any
0: other way. Who else would like to share their thought?
2: Shalima said an an awful lot in there. So yeah. I, I think that's really powerful.
0: Are you hopeful for a more equitable world, Ganshan, 10, 20 years out?
2: As an optimist, yes, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, that being said, to Cynthia's point, 30 years ago, when I first got into a leadership position and where I'm at today, uh, it's been a slow climb. And I'm mindful of the level of awareness that that continues to be there. I don't want to get lulled into that belief that it's going to make a um, a massive leap. At the same token, it's moving a lot quicker than it did when I first started working in a leadership position.
3: Yeah, and and I would add that I believe the, the progress will continue to be slow. However, I also believe that if we continue to focus on inclusion and organizations make their managers accountable for inclusion, and they measure it just like they do other results, then we will start to see an acceleration of the the whole inclusion piece as being critical to the success of a business.
0: And John?
4: I would say uh, I have tempered hope at this stage. Two important things have happened in the past Two decades, the the business case is being made that diverse organizations simply perform better, and because of that, I th- that makes me hopeful. It also makes me hopeful that uh, an important part of the dialogue has shifted to the responsibility of men to enact and uh, feel accountable for seeing change. So those things are make me hopeful, but I'm I'm with Cynthia in the fact that until we have systemic change by way of targets and measuring towards targets consistently, I, I'm not sure we'll see the progress as soon as 10 to 20 years, but perhaps our, our children, when they're in their workforce, will see a
0: difference. Thank you all for sharing those, those very realistic, tempered views of the future, but I think that's what's required now. We can't look at this situation with rose-colored glasses anymore and say, oh, yeah, you know, everything's going to get better. This is going to be a logical progression. We do need a more uh, unified commitment to equity, a acknowledgement that everyone has to take responsibility for inclusion and muscle, organizational muscle behind the efforts. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm proud that in our small way, in the Humphrey Group, we are playing a part in this, and by continuing to evolve, how we support not just women, but anyone who wants to lead inclusively. Hopefully that makes some impact, but there's a lot of work to be done. And I think the stats bear that out. And uh, hopefully we can continue to make some progress and accelerate dramatically the rate of progress. It's uh, it's not only good business, but Shalima, as you said, it's the right thing to do. And hopefully 10, 20 years out, the understanding that it is the right thing to do is just not something we have to debate. So I feel like this has been a, a really unique podcast, not just because of the fact that we have multiple people on it for the first time, like a, a big group, but but it's kind of been a bit of a, a messy podcast. And and I, I say that in the best sense of the word. And Shalima, you, you had some thoughts on that uh, that I'd love to hear.
1: Yeah, it's, it's messy because we're monitoring ourselves as we speak. We're often scared of what's going to come out of our mouths when it comes to this topic of diversity and inclusion. And so feeling that it's okay for what comes out not to be perfect, because that's where the learning happens. You have to make the mistakes in order to learn from them. And some of the conversations we've had here are great learning opportunities for us to check in on ourselves as to where we stand, what is the space that we take up, and what can we really be doing to actually add to diversity and inclusion space, to add to the equity, um, and what are we not doing?
0: So That's a great point for anyone listening. Don't be afraid to mess up. We all have better to have a few mistakes, but to be in the dialogue than not to have the conversation at all. I know we're all gonna go out and get back to work, get back to the work of helping develop leaders, develop women leaders and develop allies so that we can create a more gender equal and inclusive world. So thanks very much for taking the time. Thanks for all that each of you does in the Humphrey Group and I appreciate you. Thanks, Bart. Thank you, Bart. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with the Humphrey Group. This is my first multi-person podcast and uh, I think it brought a real richness to a topic that bears having multiple perspectives heard. Uh, I certainly learned a lot. There's a lot of complexity, a lot of nuance to how we can all speak up to promote equity, particularly around the topic of allyship. I I certainly took away a few things there that I'm gonna seek to apply in uh, in my own life. Hope you enjoyed this, and uh, I encourage you to tune in to the next episode, which is gonna drop much earlier than usual. Uh, Next week, in fact, it will be a conversation that I hosted with senior leaders at CN Rail. It's my first live podcast, the same topic, International Women's Day 2020, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it. So look forward to having you back on the Inspire podcast.